Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Indie Talk Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Paul Martinez, and we're even later this week than we were last week. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, guys. I am going to get I am going to get caught up on time. I promise you, we will not be late uh, when the Ultima Lucha show comes on. I promise to be up to date when it's time for Ultima Lucha. I hope to be up to date this week. But let's get right into the show. I'm sure you're tired of my excuses. And again, we're just reviewing two shows this week. Ring of Honor TV and, of course, Lucha Underground. I know it's been a while since we reviewed anything else. I haven't really seen anything else. Uh, so it's been a little busy time of the year for me with the festivals and what have you. But I think once after Ultima Lucha airs, we will probably start hitting some stuff uh, from around the uh, you know the country. Uh, some good indie shows that will pop up during the summer. So uh, be prepared for that. But let's get into Ring of Honor TV. This is from June 8th, 2015 on uh, Destination America. Show opens with a series of stills from the Jay Lethal, Jay Briscoe showdown at Best in the World. And which, of course, if you've been following the show, you know that Jay Lethal became the unified champion of Ring of Honor. And then we go to our opening match. It's Watanabe versus Dalton Castle. So a bit of a battle of baby faces here. They wrestle a pretty clean match. Uh, at one point, it's a double clothesline that puts both men down. Watanabe hits a really nice neck breaker. Follows with a senton with some theatrics. Covers for two. Dota answers with a nice suplex. Then follows that with a deadlift German suplex for a near fall. Watanabe hits a move I've never seen before. I don't know if I can explain this. He hooks the legs of his arms like he's looking to do a cloverleaf. But then just falls back and jams his knees into the back of Dalton Castle. Um, it was different. And <laughs> I really uh, have to see it a few more times to know how much I really like it or not. But it was different and you always like to see new maneuvers. But Dalton does come back for that. He hits a reverse airplane spin and gets the victory. Uh, two stars match. Unfortunately, Watanabe, outside of some insane German suplexes that he throws, has not been very impressive to me. I don't know if New Japan is all that interested in bringing him back over that quickly. After the match, Dalton says he is the only real man in Ring of Honor, which of course prompts Sizer Sung to come out, but is being held back by officials, and we go to commercial. When we return, Jay Lethal is in the ring with the entire House of Truth. Martini cuts a promo, hyping the undisputed champion of Ring of Honor. Uh, Lethal cuts a similar pro- promo. Then uh, Nigel asks Lethal, okay, which title are you vacating? Well, Lethal is incensed. He says he won't give up either one. He says he will defend both belts a night if he has to. Roderick Strong, who is the number one contender for the world title, comes in. They both start talking trash until uh, we get to another commercial break. This is going to be very interesting to see. I'm really loving Jelito right now, and I, I think it's interesting for him to say he won't give up either title. He will defend both. Now, usually you see years ago in WWE when this happened with the Ultimate Warrior and probably some other feds too where the company will force you to give up one of the belts. Uh, but, you know, in Ring of Honor, they're not forcing him. They're suggesting to him. And he's like, no, I won both these titles fair in the ring. And I'm going to defend both these titles in the ring. 
I can't not knock that. It's a different take, and a take I like. And once again, Ring of Honor continues to do things that other companies just don't do. The Kingdom versus Red Dragon and Michael Elgin. Now, this is the main event of the show, and somehow they're coming out and saying that Elgin's had to change the heart, and now he's a babyface. When did this happen? I don't remember seeing anything about this. Uh, they are playing up the rift on the other side with Cole and the rest of the group. Maria cuts an in-ring promo, trying to patch things up uh, with Adam Cole. They hug it out in the middle of the ring. Uh, obviously, you know, whenever you see stuff like this, you know it's not over with. Match starts with Elgin. He quickly gets better up in a hanging suplex. Taven runs in and kicks him. He starts to drop Bennett, lifts him back up. Jeez, this guy's strong. Uh, the Kingdom basically have to resort to unhanded tactics to gain the advantage because Elgin just owning him. They get the heat on Elgin for quite a bit, though. Um, Elgin then makes a hot tag, and both members of Red Dragon come in, start cleaning house. They hit the two-man Smash Brothers and Adam Cole. Then the elevated DDT released German suplex combo on Matt Taven. Al gets back in. He hits a double Samoan drop on Bennett and Taven. Uh, Elgin then catches Taven. Well, I should say. No, no, I'm right. Elgin catches Taven with an enziguri. Climbs the ropes, but he's distracted by Adam Cole. And Taven hits him with a leap against Zaguri. Uh They hit the proton pack on Elgin. Followed by a shiny wizard by Adam Cole. Taven covers. One, two. No, Elgin kicks out. Uh, Red Dragon is in. They take out Cohen Bennett with dives to the outside. Elgin power bombs Taven over the top rope into all of them. Then they throw Taven back in. Hit chasing the dragon into a super bomb by Elgin. But Bennett and Cole break up the pin attempt. Destroyed uh, by Adam Cole and Michael Elgin. Then a spike power driver Michael Elgin. But Elgin kicks out of that. Everyone starts fighting outside, leaving Elgin and Cole inside. Cole goes for another destroyer, but Elgin backdrops him. Elgin tags in Kawarati, and we get the former members of Future Shock going at it one-on-one. I missed that team. And uh, to the announcer's credit, they did talk about uh, the same thing, the two former tag team partners going at it. They do a great sequence with assorted strikes, and they were co-hitting a super kick. But Cow answering with a Nigel. Uh, Bobby Fish comes in. They hit Chasing the Dragon. One, two, three. Dragon and Elgin win. Great, great job. I give this three stars. Really, really good match. Uh, the story of this one, though, was Michael Elgin. Uh, they're really pushing him as he's going to enter the G1. And I can't wait to see him in the G1 Climax. You know, he, he's the big uh, wild card entry this year. I don't think there's any chance of him winning. But uh, I'm interested to see how well he works with, you know, what is considered to be the best workers in the business anywhere in the world uh, over the course of whatever it is, nine nine nights. I'm interested to see how he does. After the match, we get the hot New York crowd chanting to Adam Cole to leave the kingdom. That Adam Cole chant also breaks out. Cole shakes Kyle's hand and raises it much to the kingdom's chagrin. So, you know, they're pretty much cementing this Adam Cole turn here. Okay, thinking about something, you know, all of a sudden we have a lot of baby face turns here on Ring of Honor. We got Moose, 
Red Dragon, now Elgin, and it seems Cole. The only heel turn has been Cedric Alexander. So is there another turn coming, or is someone new entering the company? Uh, Dalton Castle, another babyface. Uh, the company is very stocked with babyfaces right now. And remember, while Bullet Club is supposed to be heels, um, AJ Styles and the Young Bucks are wildly cheered here. And then you get the invaders from Japan, like Kushida, Tanahashi, Okada, Nakamura. They're all wildly cheered by the crowd. So, I mean, outside of like the decade and the addiction, you know, where are the heels in this company? Uh, you know, in the kingdom, I guess, also. So, usually, the way pro wrestling has worked uh, in the past is when you switch someone, someone else switches also the other way. You do that to kind of keep the balance, so to speak, between heels and baby faces. And, uh, I don't know if that's going to happen here. Ring of Honor is not afraid to pit baby face versus baby face. So they don't have to have an even number on each side. But I just thought it's a lot of face turns. And usually in my experience of watching professional wrestling for the last 30 years, that usually means someone's turning heel. So uh, I am don't know who it would be, but I'm definitely keeping my eye out to see if uh, there's a heel turn coming. But... Uh, you know, right now, we're going to move on to Lucha Underground as we continue our march towards Ultima Lucha on August 5th. This episode is Lucha Underground episode 37. And the show opens with Pentagon Jr. in the lair of his unseen master. Pentagon says Vampiro won't face him. He is not the man he once was. Finally, the master's seen. We can't see the master. We just see like his legs. And we hear his voice, but it's distorted. So we can't really tell his voice. The fact that we can't hear his voice uh, tells me that it's somebody we know. Uh, you know, We only see basically their legs. And the master tells him, well, maybe he needs a new sacrifice. But Pentagon refuses this. He says, Ian Hodgkinson will be his sacrifice. Okay, now... That's Vampiro's government name, as the young people say. I had long thought Vampiro was in fact the master. I guess I'm wrong. I hope it's a good reveal, whoever it is. But yeah, Ian Hodgkinson is Vampiro, and that's uh, Pentagon is, you know, basically guaranteeing that you know he will have him in the ring at Ultima Lucha. Our next match, oh, this is actually our opening match, so this little segment. Our opening match is the Mac versus Cage. Now, of course, although the announcers are clueless to this, we know watching the show that what happened in the locker room a few weeks ago when Cage took out the Mac in order to join uh, Davari's team. So this is a bit of repayment for Cage. They go right at it, and they do it hard. This, you know, going from the opening, there's no... Cotter elbow lockups here. These guys are fighting. Uh, Cage hits some big power moves, but then out of nowhere, Mac does like a running schoolboy, gets a flash pin. One and a half stars, despite the this is awesome chance we got. It really wasn't. It was just a match. Uh, but, you know, it tells the story Mac getting a small sliver of revenge on Cage. Are you sure that Cage is not going to take that lying down? And so this feud will continue. Most probably. Now we go back to the locker area. Where's Son of Havoc? 
Up walks the ghost of Katrina. She says death is coming for him tonight. A thousand of them. Ivalice shows up, still on her crutches, and tells her to back off. She tries to grab her, but Katrina disappears. Havoc and Ivalice wind up falling to the floor in each other's arms as Angelica walks in. Uh, you can see they're teasing some sexual tension between Havoc and Ivalice. And they are a couple in real life. And I really, I, if I was like a guy who knew these people in professional wrestling, I would always tell them never do a breakup angle of any sort with someone who's really your girlfriend or your wife. It never goes well. Matter of fact, I wouldn't want my wife or girlfriend even in an angle. It never, ever works out. But, uh, so in this case, I hope that they do patch them back together as a couple again. Um, I like Ivelisse a lot. I love Son of Havoc. And, uh, I don't know. It, I can't say they're like a cute couple <laughs> with, uh, Son of Havoc's crazy beard. But, you know what? I kind of like, I guess the romantic in me kind of likes to see, uh, two people, uh, you know, that, are a couple working together in the business and uh, not having this whole, uh, you know, breakup thing or whatever, which always seems to get real at some point. So I, I'm rooting for them. Uh, back to, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought getting romantic here with you guys. Uh, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. I knew it's something I wanted to say. Uh, you know, this goes to Katrina. I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. I, I don't know. It's just getting old to me. Uh, the whole disappearing. I understand, you know, this is not a show based on reality. And she's got powers, Katrina. But, I don't know. Show me some other powers. I don't know. Make, make, make your head spin. Or, uh, pull a rabbit out of a hat. I don't know. Something. Just stop with the whole misty disappearing thing. It's boring already okay next which is always my favorite segment of every time we have this lucha underground and here this is going to be a great one vampiro does a sit-down interview with pentagon jr uh, right off the bat vampiro apologizes to pentagon and the fans for getting in his business weeks ago he says this is not his time his time has come and gone it's pentagon's time he needs to learn to Keep himself at the announce desk. That's he's not a wrestler anymore. And so he apologizes to Pentagon. Uh, Vampiro then asks, "Who is his master?" But Pentagon stays silent. Uh, Vampiro says he, he figured he wouldn't answer. He's not surprised, but he says to him that he's very aggressive, and aggressiveness reminds him a lot of his younger self. And Pentagon agrees, but now he asks, "Is Vampiro a vampire or a coward?" Vampiro is hot. Uh, you know, he's talking how he's had 33 years in the business. How can you call him a coward? And Pentagon responds with yet another challenge for Ultima Lucha. Prove to me you're not a coward. Face me in Ultima Lucha. He starts calling him weak and pathetic. Gets in his face. Uh, you know, Vampiro is still saying, look, I'm not a competitor anymore. I'm retired. This is not my time. This is your time. I'm not an in-ring competitor anymore. You know, I'm not looking to fight anybody. Uh, so he just gets in his face. He storms off. Another awesome segment. Pentagon Jr. is really, really, really starting to shine as 
the top man. Uh, him and Mel Muertes are really the top two guys on the heel side of this company. Uh, Mundo is also going to get there, but uh, Mundo's more of in-ring greatness. Uh, these guys are great in the segments, even with subtitles, because Pentagon doesn't speak much English. Uh, it's still very, very great promos, very believable. The anger, all of it, it just rings really true with Pentagon Jr., and I'm really enjoying it right now. Uh, but the only thing that bothers me is, you know, if he wants him so bad, then why not just attack him? Is that not the easiest way? I want to sacrifice you to my manager, to my master, so I'm I'm going to attack you now and break your arm. That's what he does to everybody else, so I don't know. I'm, I just think, or if you want him in the ring, beat the hell out of him. I'm sure he'll come face you in the ring at that point. Uh, we get our next match. It's Mil Muertes in the ring versus Son of Havoc. Of course, Son of Havoc is one-third of the trio's champions. His partners, Angelico and Ivelisse, are ringside. Of course, Katrina is uh, ringside for Mill. Son of Havoc starts off well, using his agility. But eventually, you knew he would get caught, and he did. Mill then tosses him to the floor, proceeds to batter him outside the ring. Mill powerbomb Son of Havoc on top of the announcer's table. I mean, much is just destroying this guy. Uh, but Havoc, uh, they're doing back in the ring. He's still getting beat on. Havoc is able to send Mill back out to the floor. Hits a suicide dive. Uh, Havoc poses with his adoring fans in the crowd. Gets back in the ring. Uh, and Son of Havoc is able to counter a chokeslam attempt by Mill Muertes. But he gets caught with the deadly right hand of Mill. Uh, Mill tries for a superplex, but Havoc counters into a gourd buster. Havoc goes to the shooting star, but Mill rolls out of the way. Meanwhile, Katrina's up to her usual ways outside the ring, uh, you know, trying to, uh, you know, almost seduce Angelico. Ivelisse uh, comes around again, gets in her face. The disciples of death are back, or of course the Lucha Ghosts, as I like to call them. They attack Angelico. Katrina uses her powers to incapacitate and release. Son of Havoc sees what's happening and hits a beautiful Sasuke special onto the, the Lucha Ghost. The Sasuke special, if you don't know what it is, it's one of the great uh, dives in the history of professional wrestling done by the great Sasuke out from Japan. Basically, he runs towards the ropes, does a hand spring moonsault over the top rope onto opponents. It's a thing of beauty and uh, Son of Havoc hit this perfectly. It looked like Sasuke himself was doing it. Great job. Uh, he returns to the ring. He gets turned inside out from a lariat. Then gets hit with the spear. Flatliner. And it's over. Bill Muertes wins as he continues his march towards his destiny uh, against Prince Puma over at Ultima Lucha. After a commercial break, we come back. Tejano's in the ring. He cuts a Spanglish promo with Chavo Guerrero. Tejano says he's not a good guy, but he's loyal to Mexico. And he wants a piece of Chavo and won't take no for an answer. Well, the crew run in and attack. And we are told where this is happening. As I surmised last week, that Chavo tore his hamstring and he's going to be out a while. Out to the ring for the save runs Blue Demon. The crew leaves the ring, but uh, then they slide in the chair. Blue Demon picks up the chair and smashes it right over the face of Tejano, busting him wide open. 
He tells them he is Mexico and he will fight him at Ultima Lucha in three weeks and show him that. Doesn't need nobody fighting his battles. Doesn't need one, no one taking up the mantle of the representative of Mexico because that's his job type of deal. Sword is coming a mile away from his, I don't know what you want to call it, encounter with Chavo in the locker room. Uh, I'm pretty sure that this is where this was going. I'm pretty sure I said that last episode. And so uh, we'll see them face over three weeks as Blue Demon has made his heel turn. It was a good segment, if not a bit telegraphed. I also got to make a comment. I really hated the Tejano promo. Now, how can you say you've never turned on Mexico? You've been the most hated man in Mexico for years. I mean, they hate you. It's, you know, you sit there, you're like, oh, I've never turned on Mexico. But you turned, you beat up Alberto El Patron, who Mexican people love. That's not turning on Mexico? I don't know. I thought it was a dumb promo. Uh, but uh, it's a good angle that they did here. It's time for our main event, which is an Atomicals match, which is a 4 on 4 uh, tag match. Team Alberto Al Patron has Sexy Star. Aerostar and Drago as they face the team led by Johnny Mundo and on that team is Hernandez, Superfly and Jack Evans. As you can imagine the action is just too fast to call. Everyone's getting in, everyone's getting their spots off. At one point Drago goes up top, does a corkscrew plancha but kind of overshoots his target and lands head first. That seems to happen to him a lot, doesn't it? Like this whole landing face first, head first. I don't know if it's the suit or what, Drago, but I don't know. You seem uh, to miss a lot of these dives uh, in, in scary ways for you. Uh, then Johnny winds up tripping Alberto from the outside. Alberto chases him up the stairs and right out the temple. Alberto returns moments later. Then Johnny also returns as well. I think he came from the crowd. It didn't look like he came from the stairs. In the ring, Hernandez hits a sit-out power by my Aerostar gets a two-count. Sexy Star comes in with some really fake-looking offense. Hernandez comes in, gives her an over-the-shoulder backbreaker. More craziness ensues. Alberto comes in and starts cleaning house. Gets the arm-breaker with Jack Evans. He's about to tap. When Johnny connects with the La Fin de Mundo on El Patron. And Sexy Star is up and catches a celebrating Mundo with a flying body press. But Mundo rolls through it and uh, hooks the tights and pins Sexy Star. Three stars I've given this. It was a spot fest, but a fun one. You know, just because it's a spot fest doesn't mean it's a bad match. A fun match. That's our main event victory is uh, this all further hyped card for Ultima Lucha. The credits start the role with Strikers telling you about next week. Then out of nowhere, Pentagon Jr. attacks Vampiro with a kick to the head. He gives him two chair shots to the back. Then announces to his master that he is going to destroy the show of a man. Pulls out a gas can and starts pouring gasoline on him. Says if he doesn't accept this challenge, his family and the world is going to watch him burn. Pulls out a lighter. Lights the lighter. Okay, I was getting worried here. Uh, then he says he has one week to decide. And uh, gives his, uh, you know, Cero Miedo tagline. 
it blows out the lighter. Holy crap, that was intense. How can you not just love the show? Two episodes for Ultima Lucha. I am pumped to see how this works out. And that's our show. Um, you know, again, I'm sorry I'm late again. I'm sure we'll be more time next week. So, until uh, the next time when we talk about uh, Lucha Underground episode 38 and another episode of Ring of Honor TV and who knows what else we might talk about. Until that time, I want to thank you guys for listening and bye-bye.